Amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you're here, you're kind of air five, high, you know, air five somebody. If you're with somebody, you can high five them. If, if you're married to them, give them a big kiss, uh, you know, whatever you can do. If you're watching at home and somebody's with you, come on and acknowledge them. Give them a hug. Give them a high five. Welcome to Victory at home. Victory at home. It's such a privilege to be with you. Again, whether we are in your living room, whether we're in your bedroom, whether we're on your phone, uh, it's such a privilege. Can we just give a hand real quick for our worship team? Come on, come on, come on. Let's give it up for our worship team. What an incredible, incredible anointing they have. They have some surprises coming for us soon uh, that, that I, won't, I won't give away today, but I'm really excited about that. I've got some people with me in the house this morning. I'm gonna, I always like to do this. I like to give you an opportunity to kind of scream a little bit, get, get your vocals going so that you can amen me throughout it. So let me hear real quick from everybody who's here with us this morning. Come on, let me hear you real quick. There we go. There we go. We got some people in the house. I got some love this morning. We are in a series right now um, called The Journey. And The Journey is us taking the book of John and kind of starting at John chapter one and going all the way through it, asking this question, who is Jesus? And, and as you've even heard us talk a little bit throughout this morning, um, I think, especially in, in the South, I think there are opportunities for us to get a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. And I just really felt like there was no better time than right now to just kind of go back to the basics and to take that that chapter or that book of the Bible, John, which is really John's personal experience with Jesus on paper, and just start to say, all right, who is Jesus? Let's just, we'll take it verse by verse, however long it takes us, and, and we'll, we'll be able to piece together all these different things of who Jesus is, and then we can, at the end, kind of develop his character and say, wow, this is who Christ is in our life. And so I really encourage you to, to, to do two things throughout this series. Number one is to get a paper Bible so that you can underline things, highlight things, take notes, and then also is the journal. And, and the reason why I'm asking you to do that is, is twofold. One is because long after this series is over, I think it'll be healthy for you to go back and kind of refresh your memory on what you learned about Jesus, as well as giving you resource to disciple other people. Um, we're going to talk a lot about this you know, after this series, but I think one of the callings that God has on us, one of the mandates is to disciple people. And a lot of times we aren't discipling people because we don't have the resource to do so. And so what better resource than what you have personally learned about Jesus over what could be, I don't know, three, four, five months of teaching as we continue to go through this. And so I encourage you to do those two things. Before we jump into the word, I do want to remind those that are watching as well, those that are here, that on December 6th, our church will be taking up our annual end of the year giving that we call Purpose Prevails. And our heart behind it is always this, that we as an individual, I'll take me personally as an individual, I like to stop at the end of the year and look back at all that God has been faithful doing. And then I like to build my faith with him and pray about it and then give an amount that just is saying, here, God, I, I, I praise you for all that you did for me. I praise you that you took care of me. And I just want you to take this and use it for the kingdom. And so we encourage our church to do two things. Number one is to pray. Because if God tells you to not give, then we say don't give. But if God tells you to give in that prayer time, pray about what you would give. Um, and then secondly, understand that we're going to turn around and take that offering, and we're going to put it right back into our community and outreaches and events and so on. And our, our church family will be putting it on social media through email as well. But really pay attention soon. We've got some awesome December outreaches that we're able to do through our partnership with different uh, uh, the YMCA and different things. And so be looking for that opportunities to not just give, but opportunities to serve. So I'm excited about that. You ready for the word? Here we go. All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, we're going to start at verse 11. 
And I'm going to give you real quick um, a reminder of where we are in the story. So Jesus started performing all these miracles for these crowds, and then they started pursuing him for those miracles. And then he started saying some hard teachings, and those people fell off. And then his brothers came and said, hey, we need to repair your reputation. And so to do that, you should go to uh, Judea where they're having this big festival of tabernacles. And you could go there and you could start performing miracles and you could get a crowd to follow you again and you could be popular again. And Jesus says, I'm not going to do that. That's not what I'm about. And then what we, what we read last week was that although his brothers went to the festival of tabernacles in public or, or they went so that everybody could see him, he went in secret. And so that's where we're going to pick up. John chapter seven, verse 11 starts like this. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus. So they're watching to see when Jesus shows up. They see Jesus' brothers show up. Jesus is not with them. So now they're watching, well, where, where is he coming from? He's gonna come from behind. Where, where is he at? And they say, they start asking, where is he? Where is this Jesus guy? He should be here. Where is he? And watch this. Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. So among the crowd, everybody's like, right? Everybody's talking about him. Some said this, he's a good man. Some are whispering that he's a good man, and others are whispering, no, 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 he's not. He's not a good man. He deceives the people. But I thought this was interesting. No one would say anything publicly, though, about him for the fear of the leaders. So you've got people who are whispering that he's good, people that are whispering that he's not good, but nobody's talking out loud because the religious leaders do not want Jesus to become popular. They're trying to kill him secretly. All these things are happening, and watch this, not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach? So Jesus is there the whole time, and they don't know it, and he gets up, and he goes to the temple and begins to teach. And the Jews that were at the temple were so amazed that they asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? How is he talking with such authority? How does he know all of this? And we never saw him in Bible college. You know, how is this possible? And Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. My teaching comes from the one who sent me, my father, God, and anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. For whoever speaks on their own, I thought this was really cool, does so to gain personal glory. So anybody who speaks on their own does it to get personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth, and there is nothing false about him. I want to talk to you this moment or this morning for a moment about or from the concept, depends on who you ask. Depends on who you ask. In our culture today, we defer truth, right? Like, your truth is your truth. And so there's really no absolute truth. And so what ends up happening is when we want to find out information about something, it really just depends on who you ask. For example, if we were to say, you know, is, is coronavirus real? Well, it kind of depends on who you ask, right? Like, you know, it, depending on who you ask, you might find out that it's a conspiracy theory. You might find out that it's really real. It kind of depends on who you ask. You know, for example, are, are masks good? Kind of kind of depends on who you ask, right? Like, I mean, I mean I don't, I'm not trying to cause any controversy here, but, but it kind of depends on who you ask. There's so many things happening right now in our culture that, that we don't really feel like we have a truth here or there. And so you kind of find yourself in this point of like, well, it kind of depends on who I, who I ask. You know, uh, let's, let's get a little bit personal for a second. 
You might say, well, um, am I pretty? <laughs> right? Am I, am I attractive? Am I handsome? Well, it kind of depends on who you ask. Uh, am I successful in life? Well, it, it kind of depends on who you ask. How about this one? Am I a good parent? Right? Kind of depends on who you ask. In my house, it depends on when you ask, right? You know, it depends on, it. Well, did I just punish my kids or did I not? Like, there's just so many things out there that honestly, depending on what circle you're standing in, the truth is different, right? Here's, here's one that I think is really interesting. Um, who is winning? Who is winning? Better yet, am I winning? Well, it kind of, kind of depends on who you ask, right? Listen to me. When you and I are unclear as to what victory looks like for ourselves, then whether or not you are winning or losing will depend on who you ask. Did you catch that? If we haven't defined what, what a win is for, for me, if, if I don't define what it means to win as Troy Powell, then winning or losing will ultimately depend on who I ask. I think it's so interesting that there's a conversation going on at this festival of tabernacles. And listen, the conversation in question is this, who is Jesus? And even that question depends on who you ask. If you ask this person, he's a good man. If you ask this person, he's a deceiver of all people. If you ask the religious leaders, he's a heretic and they're going to kill him. Even who Jesus is depends on who you ask. And if you and I don't define some things today, if we don't bring some clarity to some areas in our life today, then whether or not we are winning or whether or not we are losing will simply depend on who we ask. Think about this. When you define your win, it changes how you play the game. Am I right? Have you, have, have, let me ask you this. Have you ever played a board game? Those of you that are parents, have you ever played a board game with your kids? When you sit down to play a game with your kids, here's the first thing you have to do. You have to define what the win is. Because if the win is for me to be victorious, I'm about to smash them, right? I played basketball with Veda one time, and I had to define right early, what's the win? Is the win for them to have a good time? Because if the win is for my kids to enjoy the game and to play it for a long time, then I can't smash them in the game, right? So I have to define what my win is, because what my win is defines how I play the game. Does that make sense? And when it comes to our culture today, no matter what you believe, whether you're over here, whether you're over there, whether it's real, whether it's not, whether it works, whether it doesn't, listen, if you do not define what a win is for you, then you're just going to sway in the wind. And once you do define the win, it's going to impact how you play the game. So let's start here. How do we define our win? 
How, how do you do that? How do you, as an individual, as a married couple, as a parent, as someone who's dating, as someone who's single, as someone who's older, as someone who's younger, as someone who's in school, as someone who, who is in, in a job, well, how, how do you define your win? Let's go to John chapter 7, verse 16. Watch this. Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. My teaching, what I'm saying, what I'm doing is not my own. Where does it come from? It comes from the one who sent me. Here's what Jesus was saying. Jesus says, hey, people, I want you to understand something. I didn't get to pick my win. It wasn't up for me to choose what I thought was a win. Never once was I able to walk as Jesus Christ and go, what does Jesus Christ want to do? Because before I was ever born, my win was defined by my father. See what I mean? He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm in heaven with God, and we're having this conversation, and we decide what the win is. The win is for Jesus Christ to go and die and to offer salvation to all. That was decided before he was ever born. So Jesus is born with his win decided for him, Right? I'm, I'm learning more and more that in some of the most important areas of our life, people have not defined what is a win. Imagine this. Imagine that Jesus is sitting at the Feast of Tabernacles and he hasn't defined his win, right? And he's sitting there and he's kind of in private and the whispering starts. And you start hearing people talk about how he's a good man. If Jesus had not defined his win already, then he might start trying to appease them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I got some fans. There are some people here who are for me. And so he might kind of go, I don't know, sit at their table, right? Turn his back on these people because now all of a sudden his win would have been to be popular right? Or, or if he hadn't already defined his win, then when these people started talking about how he was a deceiver, he would have stood up and argued with them. You don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do that. I did this. This is who I am. You say you, and, and he actually says a version of this. You think you know where I'm from? You don't know where I'm from, right? He would have got up in people's faces and been all mad and angry because his win would have been to be right. See what I mean? Either his win is to be popular or his win is to be right. Or if he hasn't already defined his win at this moment, maybe he doesn't even come to the festival. Because then what if he gets killed? I don't want to die. But Jesus, from the very beginning, had defined, set aside, brought clarity to what was his win. This is what a win is for Jesus. And because he clearly knew what his win was, it impacted how he played the game. So therefore, when he's sitting at the festival and the conversation happens, he does not appease those who say he's good. He does not argue with those who say he's a deceiver. He does not run for those who are trying to kill him. He simply sits there in peace. And when the time is right, he gets up, goes to the temple, and he starts to teach. When we know what our win is, it impacts what we do. And it impacts what we don't do. 
when we understand that getting involved in this doesn't help us win, getting involved in this, it doesn't come back to our win. What is our win? I set this up for us a couple weeks in advance. W-D-J-H-I-M. What does Jesus have in mind? Our win is God's will, right? And in order for God's will to be done, listen to me, we have to let him define the win. I think the problem with our culture today is we are deciding our own win. Better yet, I won't get there yet. But let me ask this question. For you personally, what is your win? Ben, what's, what's your win? You know what I mean? Like, like, like what is, what is like, if, if I get here, if, if I do this, this is my win. For, for those of you that are married, what, what, what's, what's your win for your marriage? <laughs> I've talked to people before, and their win was just to not get a divorce. <laughs> yeah, that can't be your win. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's going to that's gonna impact how you play the game. For those of us that have kids, What's, what's our win? You know what I mean? What, what is our win with our kids? It can't be that our kids never experience trouble ever, right? Like, like what is our win? For, for all of us, financially, what is our win? Spiritually, what is our win? I, I sat down a few weeks ago with this list of all these goals, and I started trying to write goals down because I wanted to be able to establish what my win was. You know what I mean? Like, like what's my win for Darla and I? What is, what is the win? What's the win for Veda? What's the win for Casey? What's the win for our finances? What's the win for my life personally? What's the win for my spiritual life? Have you ever thought about that? Listen. Until we seek God for his will and ask him to define our win... Watch this. We are going to find ourselves in moments where, we're, where we think we are winning, but we're actually losing. And moments where we think we're losing, but we're actually winning. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we had, had a schedule to spend some time together, and we, we, it didn't work out. We canceled it last minute, and we both felt like we needed to spend some time with our family. And he texted me a couple days later, and he said, man, I wanted to thank you for that conversation he said, I was raised where my parents taught me that a win for our family was them providing for, you know, the, the paycheck, them providing for us. So we didn't spend a lot of time together. He said, I'm learning that, yes, you need to provide for your family, but a real win is when you spend time with them, right? Think about it. Think about how many parents out there, to them, the win is to pay the bills. But what our kids want is quality time, right? So we can think that we're winning, but we're actually losing, right? There, there have been times, Darla and I have had a lot of, lot of intimate conversations about love languages and, and what fills her tank and what doesn't. There's a lot of times in my life where my responses towards her, I thought I was winning and I couldn't be losing worse, you know what I mean? 
And this is what happens. And I know we're used to it in our marriages and we're used to it when it comes to our family life. But what about our finances? What about our spiritual life? What about our life goals? What if, what if we haven't defined our win and so we're out there thinking that we're winning and we're losing? And there is nothing more exhausting than thinking you're winning and finding out you've been losing. One of the revelations I had from this season was a lot of times with the way our culture defines success, there's moments where you, it looks like you're losing, but you're actually winning. You, you, you hardly ever hear about, you know, the single mom who just works, goes home, and I was, as a matter of fact, this is actually funny. I was talking to a single mom the other day on the phone about some stuff that she was asking for some guidance on. And it was about, I don't know, 5.36. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm putting on PJs and me and my son about to watch a movie. And I just thought that was so cool. That's not going to go on Facebook. Nobody's going to celebrate that. She's not out hanging out with friends and she's not out buying new stuff. And she's not, right? So by society, she might be losing, but she's actually winning. See what I mean? And this is important for us because if we don't define it, if we don't know what a win is, can, can I just speak to my men for a minute? Whether you're in a relationship or one day you will be, let me tell you how you can find out what your win is. Ask the woman, right? Parents, how do we sit down with our kids and say, hey, what is a win for you? Is it for us to go somewhere and be doing something? Or is it to just be home together? Because I don't want to be thinking that I'm winning and finding out that I'm actually losing. The next thought, though, is even deeper. When we don't define what our win is, we will be tempted to adopt someone else's. You know what I mean? Like, like when you don't define what it means for you, to be a winner, what it means for you as a Christian, what it means for you as a parent, what it means for you as a, in a relationship, what it just means for you spiritually. If you don't define what a win is for you, then you will find yourself adopting what other people consider a win for them. And we go into this comparison mode. I went all after social media last week. Went all after that idea of concept and us looking, well, what is a win for her? Because what a win for her is automatically means it's a win for me. What if our standards are different? What if our desires are different? If I don't define my win, then somebody's going to try to define it for me. I'll prove it to you. John chapter 7, verse 18. This is beautiful. All right? Whoever speaks on their own, this is Jesus talking, whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him as a man of truth. Now watch this. Here's what Jesus says. Has not Moses given you the law? And this is my, I mean, Jesus, I've been telling y'all for the longest, he's a G with a capital G. Watch this. Yet, not one of you keeps the law. Isn't this the law you're all passionate about and you don't even keep it yourself? I should have I used this a couple weeks ago during our Christian-ish message, because that's our problem, right? Is we're all passionate about a law that we don't even keep ourselves. But, but here's what was really happening. Jesus was, they were out to kill Jesus because he had healed a man on the Sabbath. 
And so Jesus says this. He says, you are expecting me to play your game. And it's a game that even you aren't winning yourself. Jesus says, you're, you're, you're asking me to adopt what your win is. You want me to follow your rules. You want me to play your game. And if I don't do what you think I should do, then I'm failing at your game. Come on, somebody. This is the culture of today. They want us to play their game. And if we're not doing what they are doing, then we are not playing the game right. And if you do not define what a win is for you, then you will just play whatever game they want to play. And Jesus says, I'm not here to play your game. I was given a win before I was ever born. So do what you want. Say what you want. Speak what you want. But I am not going until it's my time to go. And here's why. Because Jesus was playing a different game with different rules and a completely different definition of winning. Christians are supposed to be playing a different game with different rules, with a completely different definition of winning. Somebody was asking me the other day, they didn't quite ask it like this, but this is what they meant. They don't go to church here, but, but they know what I do for a living and they know, you know, obviously what we're dealing with with the pandemic and, and all that. Um, and so he, uh, he says, so in, in this season, is the church winning? And I was like, huh? He's like, you know, I mean, there's churches closed down and the churches that are open have, have a small percentage of, you know, of people coming to them. And then you've got all kinds of arguments about, about different things. And so like in, in, in this season, is the church winning? I gave him two answers. I said, I said, number one, it depends on who you ask, right? Because when you find somebody who has been still reading the word, still praying, still, still you know, doing whatever they can to participate in a church service, still, still reaching out for people and connecting and uh, you know, still, still giving financially and still serving and outreaching, then they would tell you, yeah, of course the church is winning. But if you find somebody who hasn't stayed involved in that, then, then of course not. And then here was the second question I asked him, or second thing I said to him. First, it depends on who you ask. Second, it depends on how you define a win. Because if the win is for everybody to be in the church building at the same time together, then no, we are losing. <laughs> But if your win is for somebody to come to know Christ, then yeah, we're winning. I got an email uh, a couple weeks ago from somebody. Do we, Paul, do you have that on there by any chance? The testimony? I don't know if we got that added last minute or not. But one of, one of our Victory family, she, she watches from a different state, or, or sorry, a different city, and watches all the time. 
And, and she sent me this, this testimony through email. It was so powerful because basically what she was saying was that throughout her whole life of being raised and being, you know, growing up, she had this like this uh, misconception of who Jesus was. And so I'm going to read it to you. This, this, was, this is what she emailed me. 2020 sure is not going as I had planned. Anybody else? Right? Okay. But I love this. But I am sure it's going the way God had it planned. For my goals for 2020 were more white space in my calendar, a more consistent and fulfilling walk and understanding of God. She says, I'm thankful that I'm living in a time, watch this, of technology to where I can be at church no matter where I am physically. She goes on to say, I just want you to know that God is speaking volumes to this series on John. Watch this, this is so important. I have struggled so many years with not feeling good enough to be called a Christian, just who Jesus was and who Jesus is. She said, even as a kid, I questioned the man-made side of religion and as I called the cherry-picked verses that were not used in context. She said, while he is taking 2020 and breaking through, well, he is taking 2020 and breaking through years of guilt and anguish with this series. I'm truly thankful he's given you the words and knowledge to pass his message on in a way that we can all understand. I'm so happy to be a part of victory, even if it's virtual. Isn't that crazy? So here we are in a room with about 30 people when normally it's 300. And if somebody was to just pull us aside and say, hey, are, are you winning or are you losing? If we haven't defined our win, then our answer would be, I think we're losing. But if our win is that the gospel of Jesus Christ goes forth and that people learn who Jesus really is and that they're set free and that they're made disciples of Christ, then guess what? It looks like we're winning, right? And this is so important for us to catch because I keep hearing people talk as if God's no longer in control. And you will always misdiagnose a victory if you don't know your win, right? There are four people that I am discipling in this season because I have a little bit more time. And God has done some amazing things through them. I've had dinner with my family more than I ever have in the past 15 years. So, hey, Troy, are you, are you winning in this season? Well, it depends on who you ask. My little girls would say yes. One Sunday, because this particular Sunday I'm talking about, nobody was in here besides us and, and the team that's serving. There was nobody watching the service. And so the band was, after the service was over, they were just kind of jamming out and they've been writing music. And both of my girls were in here and, and Darla, both girls and me came down to the front row and we just stood here holding hands and we all four worshiped while you guys led us in worship. That'll probably never happen again, maybe beyond when they're teenagers. Am I winning in this season? Yes. If you know the definition of your win, right? And as long as we're allowing culture to define our win, then we will not know if we're losing or if we're winning. Jesus never forgot what his father's win was. Never. 
That's why the Bible says that he was on the cross and he could have called for a legion of angels and they would have taken him off the cross, but he never forgot what his father's win was. The early church was so unstoppable because they never forgot what the win was. The win was not their comfort level. The win was not their priority or what they wanted to do or popularity. The win was the gospel. And so they were unstoppable to the point that they all got killed for it. If I could give any plea right now to, to, to you and to me and to Christians and to the American church, it would be this. Can we all just for once make sure we're clear on what the win is? Because if we all have the same win, then we clearly know when we're winning and when we're losing. All right, get your pens. Get ready. If you've got your journal, you've been writing Jesus is, Jesus is, Jesus was, Jesus is. Here's the Jesus is for today. Jesus is redefining the win. He's redefining the win. This may be one of the coolest things I've ever read in Scripture. So, so go with me. John chapter 7 Verses 37 and 39. Okay, now remember, I told you, Jesus was at the, the Festival of Tabernacles. He leaves it. He goes to teach in the temple. Now, understand this. If you, if you listened a couple weeks ago, I kind of explained what the, the Festival of Tabernacles was. They also called it the Festival of Booths. And sometimes they would, or not sometimes, they would always build these kind of like makeshift houses out of branches and leaves, and that's what they would live in. The Feast of Tabernacles went for eight days. That's how long it was, eight days. And the whole eight days was about celebrating Moses leading them out of slavery from Egypt, okay? And they did all these different things from, from staying in the makeshift house to taking the different meals. But here's one thing that they did is during the day, one time a day, they would come in front of the temple with this gold pitcher, right? This gold pitcher of water, and they would pour it out and it would symbolize God providing water for them while they were on the exodus out, okay? All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back to that in a second, but said that so you'd understand what's about to happen in this story. John chapter seven, verse 37 through 39 says this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, so on the eighth day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, now when you read that at first, it doesn't really do much for you. Jesus gets up and says, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and you may drink. Now, he did say this before. If you remember, he said it to the woman at the well. What I thought was interesting, and I was going to preach this, but I didn't, was that he whispered to the unsaved what he's yelling at the religious. Because the Bible says he yelled it. He will whisper to the unsaved, but he yells to the religious. Wake up, right? But that's a whole other sermon. I'm not going to spend my time there. Okay, so it was the eighth day of the festival, and Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, they come with this golden pitcher and they come right in front of the temple and they pour out the water and it's the symbolization of God providing water for them through the whole exodus, right? But watch this. On the eighth day, they don't pour water. They don't do it because what they're celebrating is God bringing them into the promised land, okay? So on the eighth day, they don't pour water because they're celebrating their win, they're celebrating the fact that they've arrived, right? So watch what Jesus does. 
Jesus knows it's about to happen. He knows it's the eighth day. He knows they're not going to pour any water out. He knows they're about to celebrate their win. He knows they're about to celebrate the fact that they have arrived. And Jesus steps up right there and says, hey, your win is not the win. The thing, you think you've arrived. You haven't arrived. The win is anyone who believes. He stands up and says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. Jesus is literally redefining what their win is. He's saying your win is not when you got to go to the promised land. The win is not when God provided you with what you need. The win is when the gospel went forth through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The win is anybody who believes can come to Jesus. That's the win. Jesus says, Jesus says, in order for you to win, I have to lose. Right? The win that Jesus was born for was ultimately to lose. Win is defined as being, as achieving the first position. That's what winning is defined as. Yet Jesus is quoted saying that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Win is ending in the first position and Jesus ended on a cross dying a sinner's death when he was sinless. He's redefining what it means to win. I think it was Monday night. The girls and I were, were, were at the table and we're eating and, and Darla's here and Veda's here and Casey Ray's here. And we're playing these games. We, we play these games at dinner. And one of the games we play is this game called Pick My Favorite. I, we made it up. And the point is that the kids will say, Name my three favorite animals, which in case you're wondering, Casey's change during the game, during the game. It's impossible, right? Um, and so, so, you know, me and mom, me and Darla go and we go through it. Veda goes and it's her turn. We guess it. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Casey Ray goes and it's her turn. Now it's, now it's Veda's turn. It's our turn to all guess Veda's, okay? So all three of us get opportunity to guess Veda's favorite animal. And we're kind of taking our turns. And uh, I think it was unicorn is what it was. And I said it. I said unicorn, but I said it kind of quiet because I wasn't playing to win. You know what I mean? I was trying to eat my food. And so I was like, unicorn. Well, Casey Ray heard me and she goes, unicorn. And me and Darla went, you got it. You win. And Veda goes, dad, she didn't win. I leaned back a little bit in my chair. I said, baby, yes, she did. She goes, dad, she didn't win. My daughter is so competitive. She'll, she'll literally change this world. She's like, Dad, she didn't win. Watch it. She, she didn't win. You said it first. I said, babe, I'm okay with losing if it means she wins. That's love. Jesus came to say, listen to me. 
Our win is love. People will know you are my disciples by how you love. You winning an argument doesn't mean you won. Love wins. And Jesus, here's what I love it. Please catch this. If you're watching, catch this. Jesus lost so you could win. He redefined winning. Now we've read the Bible. We know he wins in the end. But here's the catch. So do we. But we're all trying to win now. How can Christians desire to win personally and follow a Savior who knew he was born to lose? How could we change the world if winning wasn't about us? What if we redefined what it meant to win? I was reading a pastor's testimony about a guy that came to his church. He was coming because his wife was coming and he was an atheist. Months went by and nothing had really drastically changed. The guy would just come because he could come. And one day he was just different. He was just different. And the pastor ended up kind of interviewing him and asking him what was going on. And the guy told him this. He said, I was in the military. And he said, I had had a near-death experience in the military. And he said, when that happened, all I could think about was myself. That's all I could think about. He said, then I started reading about Jesus. And he said, Jesus is on the cross about to die. And he's worried about who's going to take care of his mom. He said he's worried about the people who are actually crucifying him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He said he's worried about the guys that are hanging on the cross beside him. And he said, I was so moved by somebody who in the last few moments of their life would care more about others than himself. And that did it for him. I think what will draw people to Christ is us starting to learn what a real win is for the body of Christ. I think for us, we have to allow the Spirit of God to just start defining our win. What is a win for your marriage? Better question, what is God's win for your marriage? What's your win for your parenting? Better yet, what's God's win for parenting? What's your win for yourself? Better yet, what is God's win for you? I'll just be really, just brutally honest with you for a moment. I, I was doing that goal sheet for myself and I sat down to do career goals and I had a really hard time because I don't know how I set personal goals when I'm praying for God's will. And so I kind of sat back after took a few, three or four days of praying and I was just like, God, what if my goals were Jesus's goals? And I'm not fully finished with the study yet, but I'll put it out when I am. But, but let me tell you where I'm at so far. When I watch Jesus, here are some of his goals. He spent time with his father daily. He loved people. He shared the gospel. And he forgave people. I told you, still working on it. 
But if those were my goals for the day, we're all out here running, chasing a win that's probably not even really a win. And yet, we're having a hard time spending time with our Father. We're having a hard time telling anybody about Jesus. Having a hard time forgiving anybody and loving everybody. What if we redefined our win? What if we all said tomorrow, tomorrow's Monday, depending on what time you're watching or listening to this. What if your goal tomorrow was to do four things? I'm going to wake up. I'm going to spend time with my father. I'm going to forgive one person. I'm going to love somebody. And I'm going to share the gospel with somebody. You'd still have to go to work. You'd still have to take the kids to school. Not tomorrow, though. You still have to live life. But at the end of the day, you could lay your head down on the pillow and you could go, I won today. Not because you climbed some ladder of success, but because you really defined what your win actually was. I'll say this and I'll close. I read this story about this Olympic runner and she was running and another young lady in the race fell down and the girl started to go around her and kind of tripped on her. And so she stopped and she looked back at her and she realized she was hurt. So she goes over to her and starts tending to her, gets her up, and then they start walking because the girl ended up hurting her ankle. So they end up start walking all the way to the finish line and they make it to the finish line. And the girl who hurt her ankle finished last and the girl who helped her finish second to last. So Olympic race, what's success? To win, right? That's success. And yet the girl voluntarily lost so that she could love this girl. And the article I read said that the, the Olympic, I don't know, I don't even know how to give it the exact name, but the program sent them both to the finals because of sportsmanship. Isn't that crazy? Like the concept of what a win was was kind of redefined in that moment. They didn't win. But because of sportsmanship, they get to go ahead and move forward. How is it possible that in our world today, a win is all selfish and it can actually lead us to hating our brother and sister? Jesus says love is the win. Love is the win. So that's my prayer, that we would do that. Jesus redefined his win and his win shaped how he played the game. You start the game again tomorrow and you will play the game based on what your win is. I think it's important that we start redefining our win. Redefine what your win is personally. Redefine what it is when it comes spiritually, in your marriage, in your relationships, parenting your kids, your finances. You need to redefine the win because it dictates how you play the game. And listen to me, when you sit down to define it, you better define it the same way God defines it. And I can guarantee you that the root of it will be love. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word, for your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you're giving us revelation today on who you are. I pray for every person that's in this room with me, every person that's watching or listening online. I pray for your Holy Spirit to bring conviction, not condemnation, but conviction. 
that makes us reevaluate our win. Jesus, you were driven by your win, but your win was us. Your win was dying for us so that we could go to heaven. And then you said you were going to raise up a fountain in us. So now you're sending us out with a heart that's willing to lose so that others can win. Make that my prayer, Father, that I'm willing to lose if it means somebody else wins. I'm willing to be uncomfortable if it means that somebody gets to meet you, Jesus. I'm willing to be last so someone else can be first. I'm willing to lay my life down for my brother. I'm willing to put aside my selfish desires and my selfish needs. I'm willing to pick up my cross because it isn't about me winning. It's about every person that can getting the opportunity to meet you so that if they'll believe, they get to win in the end. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.